grace, asking God to show us his grace in our lives that has made us his. We've prayed a prayer that we would make loving him our highest priority, that we would have compassion the same way that he has compassion on people. And we looked at repentance, praying a prayer to wash us clean and come before God. And last week, Kim shared about having a heart that is worshiping wholeheartedly before him. And now that brings us to this week. We're talking about a prayer of commitment, a crazy prayer. So our prayer for this week is, Jesus, be Lord of my life today in new ways and change me any way you want. Ooh, crazy to pray that, hey? <laughs> and when, when Kim and Gavin first initially emailed me, uh, me, Annalisa, and Joel in the summertime, and they, they proposed the idea of us speaking about commitment, my first thought was like, this is, this is just unfiltered tea right here. I was like, me? Why me? Commitment? Isn't there, isn't there a, a whole bunch of Bible college students who just got married? Or <laughs> like, aren't there so many people who just got engaged this summer? Surely, surely there's someone who's learning a little bit more about commitment than I have. Just me. Just tea in her fourth year. <laughs> uh, so I didn't tell them that when they first asked. Um, but I thought it in my, in my brain. And, <laughs> and so I said, I said yes, but knowing that, whoa, I got, I got a lot to pray about. And as I started praying about what, what does it actually mean to pray this prayer of commitment? What does it actually mean for us, for people who might feel like they don't know a lot about what commitment actually means? God began to speak and he began to reveal to me that when it comes to drawing closer to him and praying a prayer that brings us closer to him and the purpose and the plan that he has for us, I'm pretty sure we can all grow a lot when it comes to learning about what it means to pray prayers of commitment. Even if you feel like you don't know, like I did. And so the main point that I want to come back to just throughout, throughout this time is that our commitment to Christ and following him, our commitment to him, is what allows us to walk in the fullness of the plans and the purpose that he has for us. So, we see, we see this all through scripture that God is concerned about the commitment of his people. He, he wants his church to be set apart and he wants them to be holy and, and called because they are. And he, he loves them and he governs them with a sovereign hand. And we see this when he gives the Ten Commandments, when he says, don't worship any gods before me. Uh, when he's so concerned with, with the posture of David's heart towards him, and he, he grows in him a heart of repentance. It's so evident that God cares about his people being committed. A couple verses that call people to commitment in the Bible are Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. 1 Kings 8, 61. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strengthen those whose heart is completely committed to him. And so, as I read these verses, I, it's pretty clear to me that God, he, he cares. He cares about the commitment and the state 
of the heart of his people, those who follow him. Commitment is something that followers of Jesus are called to. And one of our greatest examples of commitment is Jesus. He, He lived on earth. He dwelled with people on earth, and he committed to the plans of his father. And even though he, he knew, he knew what was before him, and he knew that it wasn't going to be easy, he committed himself to his Father's will because he knew that God had a purpose in it. So we look to Jesus when we think about commitment. And so we know that commitment is important. We know that it's important to God. But when, when I actually think about it, what is it? I ask myself, what does it actually mean to be committed? What does it mean to pray this very bold prayer that says, Jesus, be Lord of my life today in new ways and change me any way you want. Because I feel like I question when I, when I hear that prayer. I don't, I don't really know what to think of it the first time I read it. And so when we look at the word commitment, it's, it's a giving of something valuable to another being. And so it's, it's giving up control Living with hands wide open is a phrase I feel like we often hear in the church is just just live your life and surrender. Live your hands with live with hands wide open. And that's a that's kind of hard to hear. But I think that often how I have viewed commitment has been a little bit um, maybe one-sided, as in, oh, like yes, I'm open, God, to what you have for me. But I haven't always realized how he's there on the other side. And our call to commitment is actually a partnership where on one hand, we are entrusting our lives over to our Lord and Savior, saying, God, I surrender what my life is for your glory. And on the other side, God is there and he has entrusted us and he has committed to us the greatest message of the whole earth, the gospel. He he's entrusted us with, with his truth and his word because he knows that there's purpose in it. And so when we think about commitment, when we think about laying our life down and, and being open and praying this dangerous prayer, I think it's important to remember that God wouldn't call us to something that he's, he's not already present in. So um, one of my favorite people who is called to commitment in his faith was the man Simon Peter. Anybody know him? <laughs> yeah, I love Simon Peter. Uh, <laughs> so as I kind of give a brief summary about what I think about Simon Peter, you can turn to Luke chapter 5 in your Bibles. So Simon Peter, um, he's most notably known for the apostle that denied Jesus three times. And I didn't know a lot about him other than that when I first kind of started to read the Bible. but. What we see in, in his life is also that he's a fisherman. He's just, he's a normal guy. He, he's well-respected, and people know that he's good at what he does. Also, he, he's one of Jesus' uh, earliest apostles. He's one of the closest followers of Jesus. He, then one day, he messes up. He denies his Lord. But what's so beautiful, and what I kind of want to hit on again later today, is that even though Peter made mistakes in his commitment, his call to commitment, God, God still redeemed and he still used him. And he would go on to be, to be one of the greatest leaders of the New Testament church that we read about today. So 
even though Peter may have messed up at one point, God's call for him to be committed to him never changed. It never altered. So, oh, I need to open my Bible. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 5. As I'm reading this, uh, I just love, if you could think, you don't, you don't, maybe you don't have an answer right now, but as I'm reading, just reflect on maybe a time where you felt that God called you to something. Maybe it was this week. Maybe it was when you were first coming to Summit. But as I'm reading, I'd love if you, we could all just reflect on a moment or a time where we remember God calling us to follow him and to be committed in something. Okay, Luke chapter 5. Jesus calls his first disciples. Background. Peter, Simon Peter, had just been fishing all night. That's kind of all you need to know, I guess. <laughs> There's probably more, but it's okay. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got, in, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So good. I I can't imagine what it would be like to just be fishing one night. I'd be so tired. If you've ever pulled an all-nighter, hopefully not here. And, and then the next morning, you you just this happens. What would you do? Maybe fall over in the water? I don't know. But Peter fell at the knees of the Lord, which is much better. So <laughs> um I love, I love this. This, this picture of, of Peter, Simon Peter, before the Lord, recognizing his place before his, his king. And has anyone ever seen uh, the YouTube series, The Chosen? Yeah, you have? Is it good? Yeah, it's so good. If you, have, okay. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you can go onto YouTube. It's free. It's free. Um, on YouTube, it's called The, Cho <laughs> the Chosen Series. Um, Basically, it's, it's like a show following the life of Jesus and his early disciples on earth. It's so good. I could just rave off the roofs about it. It's, <laughs> it's so good. And um, I, I love, I love, there's one episode in The Chosen where they focus on the, basically this whole passage we just read. And the way that they show the humanity of Simon Peter just 
amaze me because sometimes I think when we read, when we read about people who are called in the Bible, we kind of think like, oh, like, yeah, but they were like in the Bible. Like they're, they're real people, but they were like special or, you know, but in this, uh, in this YouTube series, which you should watch by the way, it, the way that they show Peter's, his humanity is so beautiful because when, when Jesus calls him, he doesn't expect that he's going to do anything. And he's actually kind of like frustrated and angry that Jesus would even ask him to lower his nets in the first place. And further, they kind of like make a storyline in the episode um, just to kind of bring understanding. And it might not all be in the Bible, but for the sake of understanding how we see Peter here, I'm just going to explain a little bit. So basically, Peter in the show, he he made a deal with the Romans and it's like not, it's not looking so good for him. Everyone's like, Simon, how could you do this? And he's like, I know it's bad. Um, <laughs> and um, so he goes and he talks to his wife and it's the Sabbath. And he's like, Eden, I have to go. Like, I have to work on the Sabbath because I didn't catch enough fish. And so I have to work. And she's so, she's so heartbroken because she sees her husband and she's like, Peter, where, like, where is your faith? Like, why are you working on the Sabbath when, when God is the one who provides for our family? And so there's like, there's some tension, there's some frustration. And Peter, he goes and he fishes all night long and he's so frustrated and he's so tired by the morning and uh, Zebedee and his sons, they come and join him. And he's like, oh, why would you guys even bother? Like, I haven't caught anything. So why would you join? It's not going to make a difference. But they, they stayed. And the scene that I love the most in this episode is when they come to shore and they see Jesus teaching. And Simon's kind of like, oh, who's, like, who is this guy? Uh, and he has, he's a lot of pride. And I relate, I relate to Peter. Anyway, <laughs> um, so they see him. They see Jesus teaching. And Jesus asks if he can use his boat. And I imagine if I were Peter and someone had just asked me to use my boat, which I've been on all night and I have nowhere to go, I would be so, I don't know what I would have done. But he lets, <laughs> he lets Jesus stand on his boat to teach. And he does. And then when he says to put his nets down, the boats start overflowing with fish and everyone's, it's like a whole, whole shebang. Everyone's trying to not let the boat sink. And at that Peter, he realizes that, that the man before him is the Lord and he kneels and he weeps at his feet and says, God, like flee from me. I am a sinful man. And he realizes that he was trying to do something on his own strength. And that's why he was so tired. And it is from this posture where Peter is so aware of his own need for a savior. He's so aware of his need for his God that he comes and kneels before him. It's from that posture that then Jesus calls him to a life of commitment and calls him to leave everything. And I think that if, I think that maybe if Peter hadn't realized this about his position before the Lord, I don't know if he would have left everything. I don't know if he would have, but it's something so beautiful that when, when Simon saw, saw his place before the Lord and how much he had been relying on his own strength, and that was the reason why he was exhausted, that he needed he needed the Lord. He needed to be a part of this partnership and commitment, the relationship. And I, I relate to Peter because at least this year so far, 
I'm in my fourth year. I kind of feel like I should have a grip on school and I should not feel so tired all the time and everything. But I have. And there's been moments, even this month, where I felt like, oh, Lord, like, I feel so drained. Like, I'm doing this all for you. I'm doing this for the right reasons. And Peter, he was, he was fishing for the right reasons. He wanted to glorify God in his work, but he was doing it on his own. And that's exhausting. And from that posture, that shift in his heart, he's able to pray. I believe that it's from that shift before the Lord that he's able to pray, Jesus, be Lord of my life today in new ways and change me any way you want. And when God calls us to himself, which he has, we're all here. We've, we know that he has a purpose for us. When God calls him to when God calls us to himself, I wonder if our response would be the same to, to kneel before our Lord and say, Lord, <laughs> we need you in our call to commitment. We can't do it on our own. Uh, the author, the author of the prayer covenant, uh, he talks about in, because it's actually a book. Do you know that? This is a book. The prayer covenant's a book. Uh, as he's wrestling, as he's wrestling with this prayer of commitment, he writes about his experience leading up to actually having this prayer. And he writes of his own testimony and says, I love the Lord and was seeking to preach the word of God faithfully. I was giving myself to people day by day, spending considerable time in study, teaching and counseling. I listened, I cared, I prayed, and was encouraged by people's growing interest and response to our Lord. But I had not been intentionally and consistently giving my life to Christ as Lord with joy and abandonment at the beginning of each day. I had not been expecting God to transform us. Peter wasn't expecting his boat to overflow with fish. I had not been expecting God to transform us continually and use us powerfully day by day to affect the lives of those around us. It seemed like I had been working for Christ rather than allowing Christ to work through me. That last sentence, it just gets me. When I read it, I was like, oh, Lord. It seemed like I had been working for Christ rather than allowing Christ to work through me. And when I read this, I, I wonder, I wonder, if, I wonder if Peter's outcome for his fishing would have looked a little bit different if he would have committed himself to what the Lord had for him before, before he set out to do it on his own. I wonder, I wonder what that would have looked like, how it would have changed his, um, how it would have changed his following of what God had called him to if he, if he realized that he needed the Lord to work in and through him rather than working for Christ. Um, and it's a beautiful picture of reliance and a need for his God. And so something that I am so grateful for, at the beginning of each year during our dorm meetings, Mark Hawks, well, we don't have them this year because of COVID, but every other year at our dorm meetings, it was always crazy and loud. And Mark Hawks would kind of, he would, he would always open up and say something when we're all quiet. Maybe it took a while. And he would, he would encourage us with a very, very bold encouragement. And he, I'm so grateful he said this every year. He always said, 
something along the lines of, it can be so easy to go through summit. It can be so easy to be in this place and be surrounded by chapel and classes where you're learning and you're being surrounded by the word and people who are who love Jesus are, are pouring into you and you're surrounded by it. But he warned, he warned us, don't allow all these good biblical principles to take the place of your relationship with God. And he 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 said it so so confidently to all of us. We're just being all goofy in this cafeteria. But I'm so grateful Mark has said that every year. And if I could be Mark Hawks for a minute, I'll do that. <laughs> because <laughs> it's a dream come true, really. <laughs> but you know, you know it's true. Um, <laughs> but I'm so grateful that Mark, Mark sees. Mark sees the importance of being committed to what God has for us because he knows, he knows that when we, when we surrender, when we commit ourselves to the plans that God has for us, he knows that that is where we walk in the fullness of what God has for us. He's lived it. He knows it. And he wants, he wants us to be reminded of it. And so when I think of how, how do I even pray this prayer? Because God, it just seems like so much. And it really is giving over control. It really is saying, Lord, you are the Lord of my life. Ah, I, it's, it's hard because I feel like I have to get to a place where I know I won't mess up. But when, when I look at the life of Peter, when I see that he called Peter to commitment, he followed, and then he made a mistake that he's basically known for. That's what he's remembered as in the Bible is his denial of his Lord after dwelling with him. I'm pretty sure that Jesus knew that when he was calling Peter to commitment, he knew that he wasn't going to be perfect. And I think that sometimes we can kind of think differently about that and think that, oh, I messed, I messed up or... I miss the mark or I want to walk in the fullness of what God has for me. I want my life to overflow into other people, but I just don't know how I'm going to get there. And the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing about this prayer to allow God to have, to have his lordship over our life is that it's, it's a continual thing. It's, it's continual. It's not a one time, oh, I'm calling you to commitment so you better not mess up anymore. It's, I'm calling you to commitment. Know me, love me, follow me, repent when, when you mess up, because I know, because we're human, and he, he knows that. And he's not, he's the only one that's perfect, and we look to him, yes, and it is a bold prayer. It, it does have weight to it, and it should check our hearts and allow us to reflect on what is inside. But, it's a partnership. God, at the same time that we are in giving over our life to him, he's there. He's not, he's not calling us to something that is empty. He's calling us to something that is very, very full. And so, uh, with that, I just want to ask, or, yeah, what would it, what would it look like if, if we walked that way? What would it look like if we 
we prayed this prayer knowing that God would do what he'll do with us. We might not get it right every time, but that his power is so mighty and so strong. And I can tell you that I, like, I would not be standing here at all today if it weren't for the people in my life who were so committed to what God had for him that their lives overflowed into mine. And we get to be that. We get to be that for other people. We get to live lives that are so committed to what God has for us and the purpose that he has for us that we can overflow. The boats, they overflowed. We get to be that for people. Because I, if this year has taught us anything, it's that people need hope. There's, it's been a wild year. <laughs> and people need the hope of Jesus. People, it's, if we really believe what we stand on, I believe that this call to commitment is such a beautiful, beautiful posture to be in before the Lord. And so with that, I want to pray a prayer over us from Ephesians 3 and the worship team. I'd love to invite you back up. Even though Peter wasn't perfect, God's call for him to commit his life over never changed. God's love for him never altered. And he continued to entrust him. He entrusted him with the greatest message. And he was faithful. We see, we see the building of the church. We see that Peter was the rock upon which the church would be built. We see redemption. And we can, we can find hope in that for ourselves. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says, Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Such a beautiful prayer of walking in the fullness of what God has for us. And it comes from a place of God wants to know us. And he does. He knows us. And and I think that when Jesus saw Peter on the shore, when, when he saw that he was frustrated and hesitant to even try again, I'm sure his heart broke for his son. I'm sure that, I'm sure that he, he would have felt for, for, for Simon, who, who was so exhausted and tired and trying to do it on his own. But it's beautiful because he then calls him to a place to leave everything he knew, everything that was comfortable. And it's hard. 
because that's a dangerous prayer to pray that is is bold but it's not empty it's not empty and he's he's there on the other side and so with that um the worship band the worship team is going to lead us the song and as you sing as you reflect i just i think it's important that we reflect on how, where in my life where in my life do do i want to see the fullness of what god has for me what maybe there's something we're holding on to that is hard to line up with this prayer because it it is it should be probably if if we're committed it it's probably going to be hard <laughs> i know for me it, it is i'm so humbled and so as the worship band leads i'd love if we could reflect upon what is god calling us to what what does it mean in our own life to be called to a life of commitment <laughs>